All right, I'm, I'm excited about this new series. This is a short kind of a series. It's a four-week series. Uh, three of them I'm actually going to be teaching uh, live here. And then the fourth one, I'm going to hand it off to you. Uh, that's the, the fourth week. We'll be uh, doing that during July 4th weekend. And so I'll have a, like a short video to go along with it. And then uh, some uh, just uh, a guide for you to do e- either individually um, uh, or with your family or whatever. And so, but this series is based upon... Uh, the book of Daniel, at least the first half of the book of Daniel. So the first half of the book of Daniel we're going to cover. The second half of the book of Daniel is like weird prophecy, like deep stuff, like revelation stuff, okay? So we're just going to focus on the, on the first part of the book of Daniel. And this series, and that really that first part of the book, is it's all about no compromise. It's all about no compromise. And in fact, if I had to call this series something, that's what it would be called no compromise. So he's going to show us, we're going to learn how to live with conviction in a culture of compromise, how to live with conviction in a culture of compromise. Now, how many of you would say that we live in a culture that is always compromising? Do you agree with that? Yeah, we live in a culture that's always compromising, and it drives us crazy, okay? It drives God crazy, I'm sure. We compromise so much that we hardly know what is truth anymore. And as living in as a Christian, a Christ follower, it's very difficult. And the message in the entire series will speak, I believe, to everyone. This book of Daniel, the first part, will, ha- will speak to kids it will, uh, because they're familiar with some of these stories in Daniel. It'll speak to kids, uh, I mean, to students, teenagers. Why? Because Daniel is a teenager at the beginning of this book. And it'll speak to them, and then it'll speak to adults as we are challenged to live with a greater sense of conviction. So who is Daniel? Before we get started reading this, reading this book, who is Daniel? Well, we know from Scripture that Daniel lived in the southern kingdom of the nation of Israel called Judah. Now, Judah, just like the northern kingdom of Israel, so you have the northern kingdom of Israel, you have the southern kingdom of, of Judah, all represented the, the God's chosen people, the Hebrews. And so Ju- Judah was a southern kingdom. Now, just like Israel, Judah had fallen away from God's authority. They did not walk in the fear of the Lord. In fact, they served other gods and even made idols to worship. Therefore, God sent a powerful country from the north called Babylon to capture this capital city of Jerusalem in the heart of, this, of, of, of Judah, of this kingdom, and export the people back to uh, Babylon as prisoners. At least those who they didn't kill are those people who didn't die in the process. Many biblical scholars believe Daniel was about 14 years of age when he was captured and sent to Babylon. But as we will see, this teenager walked in the ways of God and lived his life with conviction in a culture of compromise. What was that culture of compromise? And what can we learn from the way Daniel responded? That's what this series is about. And as we see in the chapter one of this book of Daniel, one of the ways we can live with conviction in the culture of compromise is to make a decision to live a life of purity, no matter what the circumstances might be. To live a life of purity, no matter what the circumstances might be. No matter what you're facing, choose to have a resolve to live a life of purity. In fact, this, the title of this message today is, recall, is called The Resolve of Purity. I will resolve myself to live with 
purity, to walk in purity. Kids can understand this, teenagers and adults as well. So we see this in, in, um, we see in chapter one that King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon ordered his chief court official to bring in some hand-selected young Israelite teenage boys for training and sort of indoctrination into the Babylonian culture. So we see this, and we're going to be in, in, in Daniel chapter 1. If you have a copy of God's Word, um, you, a printed copy, go to just Daniel 1. We're just going to be in that one chapter. And, and your digital copy, or you have the, we have the, screen, um, the Scripture on the screens as well. So Daniel chapter 1, verses uh, 4 through 5. Verses four through five. It says, young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that, they were to enter into the king's service. So it goes on to say that this chief official gave Daniel and three of his friends new Babylonian names, new names, new language, new culture, new food for three solid years. He is indoctrinating them. He is taking them, their identity, and he wants to flip their identity. How did Daniel respond? How did Daniel respond to this? Well, he responded by having a pure identity. It goes on to say that Daniel resolved not to defile himself. He reads that in chapter one. He had resolved not to defile himself. He made up his mind that he was going to keep his identity as an Israelite pure during this indoctrination process. Daniel was an Israelite, part of the nation set apart and chosen by God, Daniel resolved to keep his identity pure. Sure, he may have to learn the language and get to know the culture and the systems of government and the, and the hierarchy of that and the structure of government, but Daniel would do those things, with, he, he would do those things without compromising his identity as a chosen Israelite, as a Hebrew. We see throughout his life that Daniel became very successful while, while acting on his conviction, convictions to pray, read Scripture, and only worship the true God. For a teenage boy who has lost everything, including probably his parents in the process, this resolve to keep his identity as a child of God pure is strictly, I mean, it, it is fascinating to me. Fascinating. Like Daniel, the evil one is trying to change your identity. But believers are identified in Christ. It's, we see this in disciple uh, Peter. And in the New Testament, in 2 Peter 2, 9 through 10, it just simply says this, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. We are a chosen generation. 
And this world is doing the same thing to us, trying to steal our identity, trying to make us, force us into the ways of the culture. That's the enemy, the darkness of this world. So if you're going to live a life in no compromise, then we need to understand how to be in the world, but not of it. Just like Daniel, students in high school and college will be taught some things that are contrary to God's word. From how the universe and mankind was made and formed all the way to gender identity. How should you respond? Be like Daniel. Study, show yourself approved, pass those tests knowing that it's just someone else's opinion. That's all it is. It's someone else's opinion. But this identity confusion can often go deeper. So in other words, if you're asked to study something that, that is against God's word, you could study it, know it, pass the test, just know that, hey, that's just somebody else's opinion. That's not what the Bible says, and I'm going with what the Bible says. I'm going with what the Bible says. Sure, I'll, I'll pass your test. That's what Daniel did. That's exactly what he did. But, but those, this identity confusion can cut deeper. You know the voices when we slip up and when we sin? They're telling you that you're really not bought with the blood of Jesus. Are you really a Christian? Because if, you're, if, if you are a Christian, then you wouldn't do these kinds of things. And that's just a lie from Satan. The goal of the enemy is to have your shame overtake your name. In other words, your new name become the shame of your former life. But that's not the identity God has for you. To not allow the world, do not allow the world to define you by your scars because Jesus longs to define you by his. Let me say that again. Do not allow the world to define you by your scars when Jesus longs to define you by his, we are identified with Christ by his scars. We are not identified by our scars, by our past, by our shame. And the enemy is going to come and try to change, try to steal your identity as a child of God, as a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Don't fall for that. The enemy is going to try to steal your identity, to change it just like King Nebuchadnezzar did with Daniel and his friends. And all those young boys that were in that, were in that group, sort of the, the top gun, right, class of the Babylonian Empire. So the first thing we see with Daniel, he kept his identity pure. Same with us. Keep your identity pure. Know who you are in Christ. Read God's word, his love letter to you. Spend time with him. Spend time with other believers. Get to know him and know that you are a blood-bought believer. You are paid with a price. So, pure identity. Not only did Daniel resolve to keep his Jewish identity pure, he also resolved to keep his choices pure. This allowed him to live with conviction in a culture of compromise. When he was offered meat from animals sacrificed to idols, Daniel made pure choices as it says in verses eight through 10, in Daniel chapter one, verses eight through 10, it says this, but Daniel resolved 
not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked for the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. Now, God had caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel, but the official said to Daniel, I'm afraid of my Lord and the king who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men your age? The young, uh, the king would then have my head because of you. This choice food from the king's table was set before them after a couple of years ago in Hungary. You see, the Babylonian army besieged the city of Jerusalem for two years. Two years. That's, that's in a different book. But as you read the Bible, the Babylonian empire surrounded and literally starved those people that were living in Jerusalem for two years. And, and many people died because of that. So after starving for two years and crossing the desert to an area from Jerusalem all the way to modern-day Iraq, Daniel and his friends were giving juicy, tender steak to eat. <laughs> imagine, imagine if you have been starving for two years and someone placed a steak in front of you. The problem was not the steak. The problem was that the, it came from cows that were sacrificed to false gods. So they kill a cow, sacrifice it there in the altar of their fake god, and then they cook it, and then they serve it to the boys. That, that is an abomination. That is an abomination, according to Jewish, Jewish law, all the way from God down to Moses to the people of Israel. So even with that temptation, Daniel was strong enough and bold enough to ask for something that would keep his life pure. Daniel was not a coward. He had confidence to stand with conviction. In that passage we just read, he asked for permission. Can I have another alternative? Can I do something else? So how does this hit home with us? God wants you to have confidence. God wants you to have confidence, to have boldness. You will be offered something that will defile you as a child of God. Okay? Now, it may not always be food. It be something to look at, something to say, something to participate in. But you will be offered something that will, that will defile you as a child of God. But when that happens, have confidence and boldness to keep your choices pure, even if it means asking for permission not to participate. And it's okay to do that. Be bold. Stand strong. For example, if you, students, if you've, you've been assigned in debate class to defend a lifestyle that is contrary to God's word, ask permission for a different topic. Ask permission for a different topic. Or adults, if you've been asked by your project manager at work to create some false data to make them look good, ask the superior above you to be assigned to another project and another project leader. You can still meet certain requirements while respecting God's higher ways. That's basically Daniel's life. He was the master at this. So Daniel kept his identity pure. He, he studied those things, history, the language, 
the government, all of those things. And that's, that's fine. That's, that's just different people's opinion. But he kept his identity pure. But when it came to the point where, okay, now you need to eat food, you need to eat meat, sacrifice to false gods, Daniel's like, mm, no, that's where I draw the line. I need an alternative. And so he kept his choices pure. And in order to keep our choices pure, you need to know this. You have an alternative. There is another way. There is something else that you can do, that I can do in those circumstances. How do you do this? Daniel shows us in 11, uh, chapter 1, 11 through 14. Daniel then said to the guard whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. By the way, that's Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We'll talk about them later, a couple of weeks. Please test your servants. So here's, here's what Daniel says. Please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for 10 days. This is a 14-year-old boy having the boldness to do this. Now, at this point, he might have been closer to 17 because he arrived in Babylon around 14, and he spent three years. But if it wasn't the whole three years, I think this is more in the, in the beginning part of their training. But he was a teenage boy, and he, and he has the nerve to say, all right, can we think of something different? Can we do something different? Just like Dan, you have another alternative. When, you, when you're given the option to watch something you know will defile you, offer another alternative. When given the option to listen to gossip, offer another alternative by changing the subject. There's usually another option. And what's the result of another option? What is the result? If you offer another option, what could be the result? Well, the tempters do what they can do to remove the opportunity to, to defile you. We see this in verse 15 through 16. At the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. The guard took away what King Nebuchadnezzar told him to feed them. He actually took away the temptation. He took it away from all of those Israelite boys. We don't know how many of them. Could have been tens or, or, or hundreds. We don't know. We do know we're following four of them, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So, how does this, what are some other examples? So another example is when you're, in, when you're around people that use foul language. They will often change their language and remove the cuss words in your presence simply because you ask them to stop. Hey, could you just not, could you just not use that, that language? I appreciate it if you don't. Just be nice. Hey, could you do that? I'm sure Daniel was nice when he asked for an alternative, something else to eat. Okay? I would have asked for Krispy Kremes. Do you have Krispy Kremes? You know, besides this meat. It may not happen in every circumstance, but it worked in most situations I can remember. I, um, 
I remember this in, in, in college. So when I was at LSU, I joined, a, uh, I joined a fraternity. Yeah, I was actually in a fraternity, lived in a fraternity house. You think, wow, my preacher was a wild and a crazy guy. No, not really. It's just, it was actually cheaper to live in the fraternity house and pay dues than to live in the stinky dorm uh, there at LSU, the freshman dorm. So I went through Rush and uh, went through uh, a frat house. And, um, but we had parties all the time. And, and I, 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 I don't drink. I just, I just have that conviction. And so I would always offer soft drinks at these parties. So every Thursday night, a sorority, a different sorority would come over. We'd have loud music, and there'd be kegs everywhere, you know, and, and, but there'd also be a table with some Coke, Dr. Pepper, Sprite, all this stuff, root beer, all purchased by me. Why? Because I needed another, another alternative, and other people needed another alternative. And by the end of the year, or maybe the end of that semester, my fall, uh, my first fall semester, uh, those, those soft drinks started getting used more and more and more. We had to buy more. And it was pretty amazing. And, and by my second year in the frat house, by then, um, Suzanne and I were dating. By the second year of the frat house, we had this, like, this haunted house thing that we did in, in the, the house. And, and so you had to go to these different stations and all that kind of stuff. And we came to this one station where, where there were a couple of my frat brothers behind this, this dark curtain. And they, they set out uh, two shot glasses full of, you know, whiskey. And uh, so you're at that station, you're supposed to, you know, Supposed to drink them, right? For you and your date. So Suzanne and I sat down, and uh, and they they put up the shot glasses. And I guess maybe they can kind of see through the curtain and say, "Oh, hold, hold on a second, that's Frankie B." That's what they called me, Frankie B. And so hold on a second. And so they literally had two other shot glasses, and they filled them with Dr Pepper, and they set it out for me and Suzanne. Why? Because they valued. Because I asked a um, long time ago, hey, I mean, you can have your kegs, you can have your parties, you can get drunk all you want, but I, I'm not going to do that, and I'm going to provide another alternative. And so it will get to the point to where you will influence them, and they will actually remove the temptation. We see that in Daniel, and I saw that at the frat house at LSU, by the way, the only way you can call me Frankie B is if you know the fraternity secret handshake. But it will happen in your life. Don't be afraid to stand up. Don't be afraid when you go out of town on a business trip. Hey, guys, I'm not going there. I'm sorry. I just, you know. Or, hey, could we, could we stop with the, with, with the language just around me? I'd, I'd greatly appreciate it. And eventually, they're going to respect me. Now, at first, they're going to, they're going to some, some people will not like it. They'll be perturbed by it, but who cares? So you can experience this too. So we see in Daniel's life, how did he have a resolve of purity? He kept his identity pure. He was a child of God. You could do the same. I'm a blood-bought child of God. I'm a believer of Jesus Christ. And nothing's going to take that away. He had pure choices. He kept his choices pure, even asking for alternatives. You and I can keep our choices pure by just simply asking for
four alternatives. And then last, so because Daniel kept his Jewish identity pure and his choices pure, God rewarded him with pure favor. Pure favor. I like to describe pure favor as favor that only comes from God. And I've learned that God's favor will set you apart from others. And we see this in uh, verses 18 through, nine, uh, 18 through 20. It says this, at the end of the time set by the king to bring them into his service, so that's three years, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar, the most powerful man in the world at the time. The king talked with them, and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them 10 times better than all of their magicians and enchanters in his entire kingdom. So just put yourself in a situation. You have Daniel and three other of his teenage friends. And after three years of training, and then keeping their identity pure and keeping their choices pure, God gave them pure favor that only comes from him. And not only were they better than all the, under, all the other boys that were in there, because one thing to keep in mind is there were other guys, there were other boys their age. There were other boys that, that, that they captured from Jerusalem and brought them to Babylon. We don't know how many they were. But these four said, no, we will keep ourselves pure. And then it says, what we just read, that they were smarter and wiser than anybody else in all the kingdom. Wiser than, than any of the, the men who have been doing this for years, the chief magician or, and, and, and counselor. They were wiser than any of those things, any of those people. So these teenage boys, God blessed them greatly. And by the way, this is the same wise men group that the wise men came from out of the east to go and come visit Jesus at his birth. Now, obviously, it was several hundred years later, but this same group of wise men. In fact, that's how they, they, they were able to connect because, Israel, because the Judah and all those people held captive, they brought writings like the book of Isaiah, of course, what Daniel wrote, and they had those things. But I, I know this, that God will give you favor. He will bless you if you keep your identity pure and if you keep your Choice is pure. He will bless you. He will set you apart. So we must desire and resolve our mind to be pure. God will not fail us. He won't. He will not fail us. And so what I have for you as you walk out today I have for you a vow of purity. Now, this is between you and God. Now, when you leave today, and, and for those who are watching online, we'll provide it, uh, we'll provide it online 
Um, but when you leave today, you're gonna be handed a sheet of paper, and that's between you and God. It's a place for you to sign, um, and it's something that you could post in your, at your house or just keep it in your Bible. And all I'm asking you to do is just, just for the summer, let's just take this time of the summer and say, I have resolved that I'm going to live a life of purity, keep a pure identity, keep my choices pure, and, and, and those things. Summer is a time when, gosh, purity kind of goes out the window, right? Especially with students. So we want to do everything we can to live a life of purity. So making that commitment to you and God and Jesus, I think is important. I know I'm gonna sign it. And so you're not turning these into me. I don't wanna know if you sign it or not. But this is just something tangible that you can give to the Lord and say, God, this is, this is for me. Parents, adults, share it with your students. Share it with your students, your kids, and, and encourage them to sign that as well. Just for the summer, just, you know, I mean, obviously we wanna live our whole life, but let's just take this season, right? Just this summer, we're going to live a life of purity. And so, just wanna encourage you to do that. Um, and before we leave, I just wanna make sure that you know that um, God longs, God longs for you to be a part of his family, for you to be a part of his family. If you're, if you're, if you're identified with Jesus, the only way you could be identified with Jesus is if you have accepted him as Lord and Savior. So you gotta accept him as Savior. You gotta, you gotta surrender your life to him. And then just live for him as best you can. You're gonna fall down, that's fine. But live with him best you can. And even though you have accepted Christ as Savior, maybe a long time ago, we still need to make those choices to live a life of purity because guess what? I, the, the world's not slowing down. The world is coming after us full force and is trying to change our identity and make us make bad choices. But we must have resolve to live a life of purity. Let's close this out with a time of prayer. Heavenly Father, and Lord, as we close this out, Lord, help us, Father, to live that life of purity. Lord, to to not allow the world to take away our identity as, as, as um, a true believer of Jesus Christ, a follower of Christ. And I pray, Lord, that you help us, Lord, to have that resolve to, to make those pure choices. And we know, Lord, that after the summer, it is my prayer, Father, as people who commit to that, Lord, that you will give them favor. You will let them rise up to the top, not for their glory, but for your glory, because they follow you. So, Lord, help us all, Lord, to choose you every day of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hey, uh, be in prayer for our students. They leave tomorrow, and you don't want to uh, uh, miss the report of them coming back. You don't want to miss next week. Love next week as we continue in this series. And love you guys, and uh, we'll talk to you all later. Thank you all. Bye-bye.